This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimension, a provider of hospice, palliative care, and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to our 13th episode of Living Forever, Not an Option, with, of course, your hosts, Lynn and Mary. And today, you guys are in for a treat. This is the first time ever Mary and I have had a guest on our new podcast. And who I who is our guest today but Cheryl Mann. She's Care Dimension's very own, wait for it, everyone, Director <laughs> of Volunteer <laughs> Services and Complementary Therapies. Cheryl has been with Care Dimensions for how many years, Cheryl? Seven years now. Seven years. Now, I've been here. I'm on my eighth year, so we kind of started almost together. Close. And Mary's the old one of the group. <laughs> hey, hey, Mary. easy. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, how long have you been with, with Care Dimensions? going to be 14 years very soon. 14 years. So Mary has actually been here when the name was, the original name of That's Care right. Dimensions was Hospice of the North Shore. Yes. And then they expanded and it became, when I joined, was Hospice of the North Shore in Greater Boston. And then, oh, poof, we decided, what the heck? People don't know what we do. We do hospice, of course, but we also do palliative care and support services. So back in 2014, we changed the name to Care Dimensions. So the three of us have been there for that. Yeah. But, Mary, mm-hmm. you've been on a longer road than we have. I have. I have. It's been a great journey, too. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. So, Cheryl, tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you come to be the Director of Volunteer and Complementary Services for uh, Care Dimensions. Well, that's really a very long story, but I'll keep it short. Okay, we got 30 minutes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Um, I actually d- developed my own company, and um, it was in the computer industry, computer and electronic repair, and um, I actually built it up to 17 technicians and four staff members. Doing a great job, and I was the service aspect for our original equipment manufacturers such as Sony, Mitsubishi, Hewlett Packard, and many of the others. Um, And my focus was on the medical arena. And while I had that company for over 20 years, I don't want to age myself, but I will, Mm -hmm. and I was very, very oriented in giving back to the community. That's really who I am. So I was very involved with the Chamber of Commerce, I was on the executive committee, and I was the executive director of um, the organization, which is different from the president. The president did the day-to-day running, but I was the executive director for 13 years. Oh, wow. And also in Rotary. So I ended up meeting and becoming very friendly with the president of a smaller hospice, And I was at a point that in my career, I was traveling so much, and I really was getting tired of living in a hotel. That that can be hard after a while. So she said, come on over to hospice. And I said, are you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Leave leave this and come to hospice? And she said, well, just come over and talk. And I did, and I found my passion in life. I truly did. And so long to the business, I gave it to the service manager and my daughter, and I said, you guys want it? I'm gone. Very you know nice. what? I think I hear that a lot with hospice, and I think, Mary, you do too. It is a passion. Yep, sure absolutely. Is. And I think it's in you. I think it's a, sir, it, it's just, it has to be in you, mm-hmm. because it, it, 
and it's it's such a I don't know it's it's something that is a ca- almost a calling. It mm-hmm. is it's almost yeah, a calling. I agree. Is. I agree. So I always say, Lynn, we don't choose our professions; they choose they us. Choose us. And yep. if we follow our heart and go to what really pu- pulls us towards it. So, and the reality is, even though I started a very profitable business, my main focus was always making a difference, even with my clients at that time. But to see the difference that you can make even though I'm in the office most of the time, but when I find out what our volunteers have done, what our therapists have done, all the work that our nurses and everyone, and how we're making such an impact in the quality of life, what's not to love? It's a no-brainer. Absolutely, really, right? Absolutely. All right, so you bring this wealth of knowledge here to Care Dimensions. Um, so I know your title says Director of Volunteer Services and Complementary Therapy. Isn't Therapist. that long? It's a long <laughs> title. It is. It is. Uh, you know, it'd be a lot to write down. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, I want to just focus on the volunteer aspect of hospice. Mary and I brought it up in our last podcast, and I think that our listeners would really love to um, to hear more about that. And down the road, hey, if you do a good job today, we'll bring you back, and we'll talk about the complimentary therapies. <laughs> <laughs> How about so that? Your that sounds okay. good to okay. me. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to expand on it if you can, because, sure. I, you know, I know... I know what your department does, but I don't know it all, so I'm going to learn today too, which is great. But tell us first. Let's tell me why volunteers are so important to the you know to our to hospice. Well, um, there's so many different reasons. It's unbelievable, but I think the main focus is that volunteers are not paid, and when they go to a patient's home, wherever that may be, whether it's the private home, nursing home, under a bridge, wherever it is. Um, and a volunteer is there, the patients and the families know that they're doing this to make a difference, to give their talents, their time, their compassion to that patient and hopefully enhance the quality of life for that patient. And we couldn't do this job without them. We really couldn't because the volunteers, I don't know if you really realize, but hospice started off as an all-volunteer many, 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 many years ago. Um, And luckily in the United States and in most countries, the focus has been that they don't want to lose that because it does make such a difference when people are giving from their heart all the time. Um, And I think it's really important that the patient's know and they appreciate and the volunteers are able to connect in a way that staff really can't because the volunteers have an extended period of time with the patient and they see the patients you know basically mostly on a weekly basis some more some less depending on what the patient needs and there's a connection that's made there that is so beneficial to the patient, the family, and especially to the volunteer also because there's a reason why they keep coming back. That's right. And when we think about the hospice team that sees a patient, it's called an interdisciplinary team. It's the IDT team. And there's nurses and social workers and chaplains and physicians and there's a pharmacist and there's home health aides. But in with that team, when we talk about the interdisciplinary team, the volunteers are an integral part of that team. They certainly are. And it's so amazing how much the rest of the team really appreciates the volunteers and the work that they're able to do. We're constantly receiving comments from nurses and social workers and chaplains and even aides um, about what 
our volunteers are doing and the miracles that they're performing that they don't even realize because for them, they're just going in to visit. They're going in. So tell us, what do hospice volunteers do? Like if you want to become a hospice volunteer, what can you expect to be asked to do? <laughs> so much, I know, but I know. break it down a little bit. It'd be a lot easier if you asked me what they, they can't, can't do. do. True. But I mean, the main focus, I think, is to be present, to be there, to be able to listen to the patient. But our volunteers do so much. They can turn around and yell and scream watching a Red Sox game with the patient because that's what the patient wants, someone to come in and watch the game so that you know they can actually participate in it. Um, it could be reading a book. It could be um, knitting, crocheting, doing whatever. Or it could be a visit. Just walking in and saying, hey, I'm here for the next two hours. How can I make your life a little better during that time period? And letting the patient say, well, I'd like to do this. And the volunteer says, let's go. Let's go. Um, which is awesome because I know there's a lot of diverse opportunities for the volunteers. Mm -hmm. And it can be in patients' homes. I, I know we ha even have volunteers that come to our office to help us here with administrative tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and tell us a little bit more about that. So there, there's a kind of a wide variety of, you know, that people can... There's so many different opportunities. And what I love is the simple fact that um, volunteers can use their talents, their interests, and we will find work that they can do to make a difference. Um, we actually had a volunteer come in who was the director of IT. She doesn't want to do that anymore. She's retired. But boy, can she do a spreadsheet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves it. She's doing that one day, and she's seeing a patient on another day. So she has the best of both worlds. Which but, is wonderful. But they can even do specific things, right, Cheryl? Because I know that I reap the benefits of having uh, volunteer assistance with um, even the dementia support, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. But also, just you talk about sit and vigil as well. I think this is such an important part. Vigil is so critical. Um, we have a fairly large group, but never sufficient, especially as we're growing, and we're growing so quickly, of volunteers who have been trained to sit vigil, and you do require that training. It's so important. And to be able to be there when, one, the patient may be alone, the family or their loved ones can't get there. Can I interrupt? Kishore, can you tell our listeners what sitting vigil means? Okay. Because I think that should be cleared up first because All right. there might be some confusion. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, sitting vigil is when a patient has transitioned and is actively in the process of dying. We, in turn, have trained volunteers who will go in and sit with that patient and they may do a myriad of different things depending on what the family has requested because, again, this is patient and family driven. So the family may have said that the patient loves a particular type of music. So the volunteer will play that music very gently for them or that they may request some readings. There's so many different things, but the main focus is that the volunteer is there to be present and to stay with that patient. They usually will work in a two-hour period, and then they'll come in for two hours, then we will have another volunteer come in for an additional two hours. And we focus that for a certain amount of period of time. 
And a lot of the volunteers will say, oh, it's scary. But then we bring in a volunteer who's been doing it, and they say how beautiful, Mm -hmm. inspiring, and just wonderful feeling that they receive by being able to support not only the patient, but even sometimes when a family member is there or family members are there, the volunteer will come in basically to keep them calm and to do what they need to do, whether it's to go get a cup of coffee so that the loved one doesn't have to leave. There's so many different twists to actually conducting a vigil volunteer um, visit. So the benefits aren't only just for the patient, it's for the family as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, because it is, you know, it's an intense time. It's mm-hmm. time, you know, there's a lot of time. Someone, you know, a family member might need a break or be able to go, you know, run out to do a quick errand and then come back and they know someone's there. So right. I see benefit, Mary, and I think yeah. you would too, you know. And even for, for people who don't have family. Yeah, that's you know, right. That's there are people who important. do not have someone in that situation who wants somebody with them Absolutely. when they're dying. Absolutely. So it's so important to, to know that and what the person's wishes are prior to mm-hmm. so that that can be honored in that way. Definitely. There is truly no greater honor than to Definitely. be at that side. And can I tell you one quick story? Sure, love it. Um, we had a patient whose son was um, on the West Coast, and the patient took a turn and was actively dying, and the son really wanted someone there be with his mother and we were able to have volunteers there until the son arrived at the hospital the volunteer stayed and that patient died within an hour of the son's time being gone that he was so happy that his mother was not alone and yet he was able to stay there but the volunteer stayed to help support him Wonderful. Which is, yeah, that's, that's, thank you for sharing that story. I think it's important for our listeners to hear that, you know, there's a whole other side to hospice and, you know, just not the nurses going in, the home health aides, mm-hmm. you know, that care. It's the, the comfort. Mary always talks about as a holistic, mm-hmm. it's care and comfort. And I think the volunteers bring a lot of comfort to they patients and do. families um, in this time, you know, in this, mm-hmm. you know, this time that is going to happen to all of us it is we're, you know we're all going to get to the point where we're actively dying and to have someone and i know the vigil pieces when we're actively dying the volunteers can be with someone for the six months or longer that they're on hospice oh. they become i'm sure you know a friend of uh, of a patient or you know someone who's looking they look forward to seeing each day they do so de- it can be short term it can be long term right absolutely and they do develop a true connection um, but again, they have the skill sets and the training so that they know that there's a beginning and an end. And so they're prepared for that. And they have extensive training. And we make sure that um, the volunteers are very well supported while they're going through this also. Can you talk, because that was going to be one of my questions, can you can you tell our listeners about what type of training is done? Because I know you, someone can't just come and apply and go out and see a patient the next day. Absolutely. There is an extensive, because I know Mary's involved with some of the training. Um, it's an extensive training period, right? It is, and it may seem long, um, but I will tell you that everyone who goes through says, oh, I wish it never ended, because we not only have our trainees going through paperwork. That's great, but the bottom line is we bring in the interdisciplinary team they're able to speak to 
the nurse practitioners. They're able to speak to the social workers, and they're able to, to uh, speak to bereavement. We have all of the different disciplines represented there so that they can really get a full flavor of all the services that we provide and how they can be a part of that and ensure that they're able to understand the whole interdisciplinary team process and also the focus of hospice in making sure that we are there and we follow the patient's and family's guide. And that's that's good. And there's there's basically there's rules and there, you know, mm-hmm. and that needs to be addressed also during the training, right? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. We do a very, very extensive training. How long is the training? It's actually twenty two hours. Um it's twice um, a week for two and a half hours per month. And um, it they learn so much. And I, what I love is I've had so many volunteers say that this training has helped me live my life. And also we have professors um, that will teach elder law. We've had physicians and we've had nurses take our training, not to volunteer, but to better understand what, is happening when patients arrive at hospice and more about the dying process. Yeah, no, I think this, the, it, it really is essential that you have a very formalized mm-hmm. orientation the way you do. Mm-hmm. And people think that it's just something you walk into. There's so much to this. Uh, and so it's so, so great. That well, I think it's really important that our volunteers have the resources, the training, the understanding so that they can do their job. Right. It is a job. Yeah, you have to have tools for the tool belt. Mm-hmm. Yep. You Just do. like any job. We Absolutely. all were trained. Mm-hmm. So that it's an importance. Absolutely. So, Cheryl, I want to ask you another question. So tell us, uh, and, and the audience, what so what makes a good volunteer, a good hospice volunteer? What, is, what are some of those qualities that, uh, that accentuate that role? Wanting to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Compassion. Being able to actively listen, which is critical. Mm-hmm. But the main focus is truly utilizing whatever talents they have, whether it may be the compassion that's a talent for them, whether it's um, IT and working on com- you know our computer aspect, whether it's working in the office or helping various different staff members. But the focus is they want to make a difference. And I think it's a privilege that most of our volunteers feel that they are truly making a difference. Many of our volunteers have lost a loved one. And they may or may not have had hospice, but they have learned about hospice, and they want to be a part of it. Yeah, I think, again, you're bringing up some important points. First of all, I just want to say something about the listening. There's no greater... Uh, it's so important. Absolutely. There's nothing more important than truly being able to listen. And we, we take that for granted that everybody can do it, and it's not true at all. People mm-hmm. have a very hard time being present and totally listening. And, and that requires, uh, you know, that, that takes action. People think it's a passive process, but we really, you know, there's an active process to that. And being nonjudgmental in that. Absolutely. That's critical. Yeah. And and that's not, again, easy for some people mm-hmm. because people come in and we, we all are shaped and have our own uh, thoughts and views on things, but it is really important that people come in and that they're a neutral support in that way and being there for that person in whatever way they need that. Definitely. And for whatever's Definitely. important to them. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Cheryl, I, I'm kind of known for my little quotes that I do on these um, podcasts, and I found a great quote that I wanted to read to everyone because I know even, you know, we're teaching our kids even from a young age that volunteering is so very important and that it's not just about, you know, going to college, getting a job, and but it's what more can you do? What what can you, how can you give back? So um, I wanted to just read this quote because I think it kind of resonates. At the end of the day, it's not about what you have or even what you've accomplished. It's about y- who you've lifted up, who you've made better. It's about what you've given back. And you know who said that? Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Love that quote. I read it yeah. to Mary yesterday. I said, Mary, I think this one works for us. And she okay. says, yeah, it really does. Um, and so... You know, we just try, I just mentioned that, you know, people are always, you know, the volunteering is becoming important even for kids, but why choose hospice to volunteer at? You know, there's so many other organizations, but why, you know, why choose hospice? Many of our volunteers have been touched with the loss of someone they care about. Um, I think that is probably when they start really thinking about hospice, but others are drawn to making a difference for those who are at that stage of life. They care, they want to be there, and they may have had you know, a family member with an illness. They may have had a loved one or a friend, but they've become aware of we only have a certain amount of time in this life, and they want to make a difference at the end of life, which they feel will impact the quality of care. And that, that's, that says it all, which, I, you know, which is great. I just want to ask also, Cheryl, so you're talking about, and, and I do think it's sometimes personal experience that mm-hmm. that really brings somebody to, to give this a lot of consideration. Is there a time frame that you ask people to have in between when they've experienced a, a significant loss like that to when they go into a volunteer role? Yes. Um, we actually do an interview for a volunteer, and it's really important that they have been able to process a loss so we ask them to wait at least a year mm-hmm. so that they can go through the first birthday, the first holiday, the first special day, and go through all of those triggers mm-hmm. so that they will be able to be open to the patient mm-hmm. and not have any concerns bring up their emotional turmoil and their grief because let's face it you never ever get over grief but you do learn to live with grief right and so I think it's really important that they have the time to process it so that they can go on absolutely very important I Mm -hmm. I think yes Yes, definitely um so tell me how do you go about applying for the you know applying to be a volunteer here you know what some of our listeners (laughs) might be saying because this is a great company and we do great work and like you said before at the beginning we're a growing organization. Mary, tell us, because uh, you, you can whip these stats off. How many baby boomers? You know, there's 75 million oh baby gosh. boomers. Yes. And, it, you know, I read something recently that so many are turning 85 and, you know, every yep. day. And yeah. um, the population's yeah. aging, but you know what? We're living longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have chronic conditions. We have serious illness. We have advancing illness. So there's a population that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. Didn't somebody say you were getting younger the other day? I, was, <laughs> I am. They did tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> we might I be getting older, but we are that. getting better. <laughs> we're getting better. That's it. That's right. Absolutely. Well, I've no, heard the are. words that we're going to have a tsunami. 
Yes. The silver tsunami. Is that what they, mm-hmm. what yes, is that it is. is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and they, yeah, they, and certainly again, that, but we do, we, we need to make sure that we take care of people and yeah. that we're, we're addressing some of the unique needs for older adults mm-hmm. uh, as, as we're getting into this, this age, and this group, this stage. So right. tell us how to, how to apply. Because All right. Basically you can go on our website and you can apply right online. That goes directly to our volunteer coordinators who will contact the potential trainee and talk to them, and um, they can get signed up for training right on the li- right on the phone, um, or they can actually call us, call the main number, and the receptionist knows where exactly to forward that call to make sure that that person has the information that they need. So it's a real easy process. We're going to um, make it easy, Father. Yeah, if they send an email. We find it. There you there. go. There's so many different ways. And but you'd be surprised. A lot of the times it's word of mouth where one volunteer or one person who was served by Care Dimensions says, I think you'd be really great at this. And they already have the contact. Word of mouth is so important. And another reason to volunteer, another thing I looked up, and it says studies show that regular volunteering works dramatically, um, volunteer work dramatically increases life expectancy. Okay. Wait and a minute. Not only life expectancy, the quality of right. their life. Yes. Yeah. It says it improves sense of well-being, decreases insomnia, builds a strong immune system. I mean, why wouldn't you volunteer? Yeah, enhances socialization. There you there go. There, this is this is this is a, a a win-win situation. There's such a reciprocity going on there, isn't there? There is, and I have to tell you, when I came from the corporate world into hospice, I said, why do people actually volunteer their time free and they're doing such hard work? And I actually focused on, I'm going to talk to them and find out. Every single one of them stated, we get so much more than we give. Mm -hmm. We get so much more. You can't put a price tag on that. I often hear, too, Cheryl, uh, knowing that you've made a difference in mm-hmm. somebody else's life is just, it, it's its life-altering for people to know that really, and, and you're right, Lynn, if they talk about, it does, it adds it adds years to life and the good quality, so. Fulfillment. It, yeah, it gives uh-huh. you fulfillment. It does. Absolutely yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why we had you on today, Cheryl. And you know what? You did awesome. Oh, good. I was really Does worried that about she that. Come back, <laughs> she can come back. Okay. Anytime. All right. <laughs> I just wanted to yeah. check because she, she had conditions at the that's beginning. That's right. So can she, she come did. back? All right. Thank you. Did we touch upon, Cheryl, any last minute um, comments? Did we touch upon all the important questions and the important information that you wanted to get through? I really think you have. But the focus I really want people to realize is that Anyone can volunteer in some capacity, and we'll work with them to ensure that our patients' needs are met, but their needs are met also. Terrific. So call now. I just want to make sure anybody 18 and above, right, 18 years old and above, you can call now, Look, go on your website, but the phone number, the main number for Care Dimensions, if you want to call, is 888 283 Two, two. Absolutely. Thank you. Terrific. Well, thank you, everybody, again for listening. We love doing this podcast. We, as you can tell, we have a lot of fun. Um, and this is actually the end of our season one. We're going to do the 13 episodes, end of season one, and we'll stop back with season two. So please continue to listen. Um, continue. We did have a um, continue to email us, and we'll be back. 
Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about Care Dimensions, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions.org and of course you can always call our office at any time. The number is 888-283-1722.